Blog Talk Radio. Indeed, there is. Good evening and welcome to Rescue Radio. Um, Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for this discussion. We thank you for your word. We thank you for rightly dividing your holy word, Father God. We thank you for the privilege of being um, found by you, Lord God, when we were lost, uh, that you brought your message of grace, redemption, salvation, and love to us, Lord God. And I pray tonight that as people are listening, that they would be encouraged, Lord God, that we'd set aside our preconceived ideas, our theological, religious glasses, and you give us your eyes, the eyes of your Holy Spirit, to see and to understand and to hear uh, that the revelation of Jesus Christ might become part of who we are, and we will know who we are through that revelation, Lord. I thank you, too, for the divine protection that you cover us in these airwaves and technical situations that the enemy cannot get into, plot against us, Lord God, that all the connections will stay connected and clear, Father, and that no weapon formed against any of us will prosper, no word said, no deed done, no action taken, will be able to be used by the enemy to bring forth any shame, trouble, or reproach. So I pray that you draw in the people tonight to listen and respond and interact with us. And we thank you for this opportunity, Father God, in Jesus' name. Give us clear minds that we might rightly divide your holy word and speak of the oracles of God. Amen. Well, honey, here Amen. we are. Here Amen. We are. Here we are again. Yeah. And... Uh, I'm I'm kind of the roving co-host, and I have yes I have ceased to rove for this evening, so I'm here and uh, looking you. forward to yeah. uh, what got we're talking about. Got here you tonight. out of the garden just in time. Yeah, didn't got I? me out of the <laughs> garden and got me. Yeah, uh, I think you're more of a gardening a gardener than a roving. I, I didn't host, shave, actually. but uh, that's okay. They'll uh, never know. Won't mind, right? Don't tell anybody. Okay. okay. Um, <laughs> you know, we've been going we've been going through. I mean, with the people we've been talking with and visiting with over the last couple of 10 days or so, and it's been kind of rough. I mean, people are going through a lot of really rough stuff. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I've been thinking about this. Uh, Paul said, fight the good fight of faith, and uh, we're not going to really talk so much about that tonight. No, uh, no. I might even be talking about that We are fighting the good fight of faith when 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 we talk about not believing the lies, and that's fighting the fight for freedom and truth. But um, just for the sake of those who are going through hard stuff, and I can't even begin to tell you, I mean, it's just like, um, Jesus, come back. <laughs> he says, but in, uh, in Isaiah, just this quick, this isn't our subject. Our subject tonight is um, uh, the book of lies. It was his choice. And that's, we're going to respond to some of the things that have hap- happened in the last couple of days and weeks. But, but Jesus says, or Isaiah says here um, in 26.3, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, yet for in Yah, the Lord, is everlasting strength. Or he brings down those who dwell on high, and then he goes on to say um, that we're trusting in his judgments, that, we, that God is the judge. God is the one who's going to make these things right and fair. Um, yeah, yes, and in the, in, your, in the way of your judgments, O Lord, we have waited for you. The desire of our souls is for your name and, at the remembrance of, and for the remembrance of you. Um, 
So there's a longing for the righteous judgments of God in the, earth, in the earth, for God to be the judge. And yet I think most of the time we're spending a lot of our time judging one another. And uh, so that's what we're going to kind of talk about tonight. Just to be encouraged, if you want to read Isaiah 26, uh, the very last couple of verses of that are very relevant, I think, verse 20. Um, when God has got to judge, he's got to do some judging, and that's, again, uh, what needs to happen to correct things and bring justice and we long for his justice. But um, he said, come, my people, enter your chambers and shut your doors behind you. Hide yourself, as it were, for a little, a little moment until the indignation is past. For behold, the Lord comes out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. Now, that doesn't have to be us. We have been forgiven, redeemed, and um, we can look forward to the goodness of God and, and, and even look forward to the judgments of God because he's going to put down the injustices, the, the things that have, the enemy has so freely done to rip us off. But um, now, These uh, injustices, and uh, I think we'll just, just want to make a quick comment about that, is that uh, a lot of it, the part of the fight, of the good fighting the good fight of faith is to continue to believe no matter what it feels like. No matter what it feels like, mm-hmm. no matter what it looks yeah. like, with the, and when the answers don't seem to be coming through, you read in there about waiting, mm-hmm. waiting trusting before the knowing. Lord, trusting Him, waiting. And if you don't see it for yeah. a day, uh, you know, ten a years. week, a month, 10 years, keep, Hiding I just want to yourself. encourage mm-hmm. you, just keep believing the Lord. That Know that when, you, when you're a servant of the Lord, He's unfolding a a perfect plan for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a lot of things that just, uh, I, I've got a email yeah. from a missionary uh, this uh, late last week and, and just, just the battle with evil yeah, that they're yeah. facing. But, um, you know, well, can I you say have something? to get the focus back on onto the Lord. And here's the deal. Knowing that he's going to take care of it in his time and his way. You said, keep on believing the Lord. And I will take it one step further. You know, keep on doing anything seems like a lot of work and, and it stresses us out sometimes because we try hard and we, we think we've got to work to believe. Um, this is the work that you believe. Jesus did say that, but we have been built to believe. We have been built not only to believe, we have been built to know the truth. And if you stop and think, if you're going with what your soul tells you, what you're feeling and uh, what you're thinking and what it looks like and um, the devastations all around you, you're going to start making choices and decisions and believe lies. But if you go with your spirit, you're going to know, you already know this. I don't have to tell you. You already know that God is good. He is fair. He's on the throne. It's going to be all right. It may not be all right all the way. I mean, may not look like it's all right all the way through, but at the, at the same time, not a hair of our head will be lost, even though we might give our lives for Jesus Christ. So back to the subject tonight. Yeah, we're talking about choices. And, yeah, uh, I know, uh, making choices. Making choices. And I know, uh, Margie, uh, just you've been really stirred up about this, and we've been talking about this this yeah. week. Yeah. And so let's, uh, let's kind of dive, dive, in. dive into okay. it right now. Well, you know, Robin Williams, uh, we all know and love have seen some of his work on the stage and Hollywood movies, et cetera, et cetera. Everybody, I think, knows who Robin Williams is or was. And a couple of, what was it, eight, ten days ago, um, he committed suicide. And um, everybody was shocked. I'm sure some people were shocked, thinking, how could this man, who had everything, money, fame, you know, anything he wanted, um, how could he be so sad? How could he be so depressed? How could he do that? And 
and uh, um, kind of falls into the category of, you know, how could he be so selfish? Other people might say, well, well, we don't know the whole story. Um, Other people might say, well, you know, maybe he was, you know, he knew something we didn't know. Well, it kind of all turns out that some of those things were actually true um, from what little bits of information were leaked later about his life. And he himself, you know, I read an article or two about um, things he had said in interviews about the torment that he was in, I would in his soul. I mean, he'd hear voices, uh, felt like he was, he used, even though he used the word possessed from time to time, and I think felt like he was losing it, being taken over, um, not his own person, kind of cohabitated with other things, entities, voices, spirits. And, and yet, I don't believe that Robin had the tools to know uh, what, even how to describe what that was. It was fearful, it was terrifying, but I don't believe he had tools, language to even say, you know what, these are demons and this is spiritual warfare. I really don't believe he had the tools to say that. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not going to say, you know, people commit suicide. Some people automatically think, well, okay, they, that's murder. They killed themselves. They're, they did the unpardonable sin and now they're going to hell. Well, just for your information, murder is not the unpardonable sin. Um, suicide as a definition or as a subset of, of murder is not defined as the unpardonable sin. The unpardonable sin the Lord talks about is the sin against the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's job is to convict us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. So the unpardonable sin is the sin of refusing to uh, take the conviction of the Holy Spirit and repent or or, uh, change your mind or cry out to Jesus. In the example of Robin Williams, you know, know, he, he made a choice uh, to, end to, take, to end his life. Mm-hmm. Some people would say that you know suicide is the most selfish choice you can make. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people would say that he made a tragic choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, how could he do that? But uh, let's let's go behind yeah. okay. the scenes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know, uh, and, and, well, and, and how many people, times people are uh, you know I've read articles too in an example here. We're not just focusing on Robin Williams, yeah. but it's just a jumping off point. It's a jumping off point. It's like. Uh, you know, he was dealing with depression and all, you know, uh, chemical pain. abuse and so forth. Uh, a lot of a lot of pain, and and you know, people that, are looking at how can we help people, mm-hmm. uh, you know, secular people mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. and religious people are looking at how how can we help somebody uh, to you know to prevent this so people coming to the point where they make well. This what we choice. do is we always give them more stuff to do. Do this, do that, work this program, take this pill, don't do that, try harder, and it's all more exhausting. It's not deliverance. It's not really getting the voices out or the demons out. And, you know, and, and what if they have a very negative, bad report? What is their hope? If we don't have Jesus Christ, what is our hope and why, do we, why would we bother continuing? The messages that we're giving our young people uh, it are, you know, you, you don't matter anyway. You're just an accident. You're a cosmic accident. So does it really matter if you pursue a life of meaning or purpose or pursue it to the end? It doesn't matter because you don't matter. And so this kind of a a very uh, debilitating uh, philosophy, spirit actually is is all around us. It's a spirit where hopelessness in a sense, you know, you're, you're disposable. If you look at the, you know, the theory, emphasize theory, the lie of evolution. So you're just kind of a, 
yeah. cosmic accident, yet on the other side, yeah. the, along but, with that, there's humanism that says, oh, you can just you do whatever know, you want. You know, take control of your life mm-hmm. and you can be whatever you yeah, want if yeah. you work hard. If and, you work hard enough and if you don't, you're a failure. But, but see, mm-hmm. the thing is, that's the world. But in the church, we have, the world has theories. In the church, we have theologies. And those theologies, for the most part, are as deadly and destructive and incorrect as any theory that the world would come up with. For example, when you say it, it was his choice, the first thing that happens is we assume that because it was his choice, it was his choice, and that he made a complete, um, knowledgeable, willful choice. Paul said in Romans 7, he says, if I'm doing what I don't want to do, it's not me doing it. So what was he talking about when he said that with choices? I am doing stuff, looks like I'm making choices here, that I don't want to. These, these are not my choices. There's something going on inside of me that's controlling me. And so Paul didn't say, okay, I've got to try harder to make a good choice. But when people are saying he made a choice, she made a choice, let's look at the word for a minute. And first of all, recognize that we are putting ourselves in a very presumptuous, precarious position in making that judgment, drawing conclusions based on maybe poor information, partial information, a bad situation. And creating more spiritual confusion and devastation because there's something behind the choice. Right, and that's what we've got to see. Now, we, can, we see part of the story of a person's life. Yeah, and Jesus okay. said, don't judge by appearance. But he, judge, says, draw he says, judge righteous, righteous judgment. judgment. Now, mm-hmm. that, that does not mean, you know, be condemning to someone. Or condoning. To, but to, be, to have as accurate a discernment and assessment of a situation or what's going on as, as possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's what, you know, we, that's why we have to be careful because uh, well, it's we, something have, we, we, we don't, don't know the whole story as well, we God don't, knows the whole story. We don't know Yeah, but you know, the, we don't seem background. to be afraid to dive into God's business. It's like we think mm-hmm. we have to judge and we have to determine who goes to heaven, who goes to hell, and that's not my job. And we also do it with partial information and not in the context of the bigger picture. And, and, you know, and also, when you're talking about judging and looking at appearances, uh, the, 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 always the key, the key rule in the kingdom of God is proceed with peace and love and joy and goodness, restoring such a one in a spirit of meekness, lest you also be tempted, uh, and things like that. So we, you know, we may have good intentions to teach and correct and admonish and play the role of the Holy Spirit, and really we might be just messing the whole thing up and missing the point of God's love and grace and salvation. So the very thing oftentimes, and this is the most sad and yet blinding thing is most of the times the very thing that you are judging someone else for doing, you're actually doing yourself. You're actually guilty of doing it yourself and you cannot see it. So once we judge others, I don't care if it's a mother, a father you've judged, a parent, I don't care if it's a movie star, I don't care if it's your, you know, your pastor, I don't care if it's your wife, husband, when you start judging someone, you better check it out. You're probably doing and guilty of doing the very thing that you're criticizing and judging them for. So, first of all, whose job is it to judge? Who is the one who finally says, you go to heaven, you go to hell? That is whose job? That is, that's, that's God's The righteous job. judge. Said, okay. you know, Abraham, had, Abraham made a, a great statement. He said, shall not the judge of all the mm-hmm. earth do right? Well, right. Uh, and and he, he, is, he is the, the righteous judge. I mean, he is a, he is a judge, and but he is you know a righteous we do? judge. We do his job for him, 
and we micromanage. Now, God did tell us to discern things. He said wolves will come in sheep's clothing. He said in the last days, you know, the pastors, the, the, the shepherds are going to be, well, even in those days when Paul was there, he says that ravenous wolves will come in among you. And so he's not saying don't look, close your eyes, turn the other way, pretend you're not seeing what you're seeing, deny it, minimize it, make it into something else. He's not saying that. He's not saying don't discern. He is saying don't judge because there, there's a difference. Um, I, I've used this example a couple of times, but, you know, you can discern the apple tree growing in the backyard or across the street as a, a bad tree if it doesn't bring forth any fruit or the fruit's wormy and rotten. You can discern that, but the minute you go down and cho- go out and chop that tree down, you have judged the tree. And if you don't own that tree, you have just judged and chopped down your neighbor's tree uh, you're guilty of, you know, uh, you know, destruction of property, personal property, and so um, private property, whatever. So, again, in Romans 14, God's, God is admonishing us, don't, uh, they're my servants, my sons and daughters. I'm working in them. I'm working to perfect them. You don't know what I'm at doing right now, so back off and make sure that you're not guilty of doing the same thing. So, go ahead. Yeah, I just uh, just that scripture that you're referring to in Romans chapter two. Um, he says <clears throat> at one point where uh, you're talking about people that were very confident that um, uh, you know that well, man, I the self. He's speaking to the self righteous, yeah. really. Mm-hmm. Uh, Romans two uh, verses one through four. Therefore, you are inexcusable, O man. Whoever you are who judge, or in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself, for you who judge practice the same things. Mm-hmm. But we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things as a whole litany of, of, of sinful behavior yeah. that is listed before this in chapter 1. Mm-hmm. And verse 3 of Romans chapter 2, And do you think this, O man, you who judge those practicing such things and doing the same, that you will escape the judgment of God, or do you despise the riches of his goodness, yeah. forbearance, and long, and long suffering, suffering yeah. not knowing that the goodness of God the leads patience, you the to long repentance. suffering. Yep. And, you know, and, and would we criticize God for giving us patience and long suffering and grace? Would we criticize him for the way that he approaches us? And yet we will not get, we, you know, I mean, that is the method. God says, love, forgive, wait, endure. Um, and yet we would we would say, no, we've got to make a judgment here. This is dangerous. We've got to take matters into our own hands. And that's all about control. Yeah. And, and the thing we we would want God to be patient and long suffering and forbearing with For us. us. And we yeah. Should have that For, yeah. We now, can. At the same time, um, and maybe we're going to cover this a little bit later, but I want to bring this up. Does this the fact that in, say, for example, in, in the church, in the body of Christ, if there is someone involved in some obviously sinful behavior, uh, you know, yeah. gossip, whatever it is, mm-hmm. some kind of immorality, like Second uh, uh, Corinthians, First Corinthians, chapter five. Yeah, right. For sure. Right. Yeah. So, are we? They say, well, we can't judge. Therefore, anything goes. No, no. That's that's not even. I don't think that's that's even the same subject. Um, but there is wisdom. For example, um, we'll look. Well, look at the church in Jesus's day. Um, the woman taken in adultery, John chapter eight, starting verse one. Um, the church of that day was the the Jewish um, 
traditions, the Pharisees and Sadducees and blah, blah, blah. And the, the, the law said that if someone was taken in the act of adultery, they were to be stoned. They were to be judged and stoned. Well, of course, they wanted to set Jesus up, the Pharisees, and put him on the spot. And, and that was the very thing that they were, they were saying to him, okay, what are we going to do here? This is, this is a sin. The law says that she needs to be judged. And the law, and, the and, law did say for certain types of sin, people were to be stoned. Right. And, of course, and Jesus was to come to fulfill the law. So what in the world? They thought they had him in the crosshairs of, of, of that cross-examination, that trap. And yet Jesus, in great wisdom, didn't dive in. He didn't lecture. He didn't set the record straight. He didn't point the finger. What he did is he actually stooped down and started writing the stand. So he, 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 um, then he looked up and he, and he said, those who are, he didn't accuse. He didn't accuse the woman. He didn't accuse the, the accusers. He didn't get caught up in the frenzy of justice. What he did, um, he didn't say to her, you know, um, uh, or justify their hostile you know, um, actions against her by saying or agreeing with them, you know, it was her choice. Um, um, he didn't say to her, you know, you have it, you had it coming. Um, he said, he who is without sin among you cast the first stone. He was saying there is sin here. He was without sin, obviously implying that there is a sin, cast the first stone and, uh, or step to the front of the line, pick up the rock and start getting the job done here. And yet Jesus came to, to take that very type of issue, that very harsh, stoning, cold, judgment, you know, issue, and bring it around to a new dispensation, to the, the New Testament, to the law of love and grace. So what did he do in his love, in his long suffering, after everybody was embarrassed and ashamed and knew that they were also sinners and had no right to throw the rock? He, he said to the woman, he said, where are your accusers? And when she said, they're not here, whatever, he said, you go and sin no more. His love, his, his powerful love and acceptance of her, separating her out from her sin, understanding why this woman maybe was a, pro- a prostitute or caught in the act of adultery, um, knowing her whole life story, just because he's God, and maybe he didn't know it at that point in time, but God knows everything. He wasn't ready to just, you know, throw her to the wolves. Right. And he did, well, you know. So his forgiveness, long-suffering. Right. What did it do? And they said, well, it, it released her, it freed her. From sin, it, from the judgment, it, it, the condemnation, the shame. to her. Right. And, and, the identity. And so there, there, was a, there was a turning point, obviously, the power in, of in his her love. life right mm-hmm. there. Uh, there's a... You mentioned about, you know, uh, the law. They said the law that said that such should be stoned. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's true. There was stoning for those many different types of sin. But in John chapter 1, verse 17, it says, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth mm-hmm. came through Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ. Now, the Bible says that the law mm-hmm. is holy and just and good, but there's a a, a far higher standard. The yeah. law was just given to show us that we couldn't, we keep, couldn't it. keep it. And grace and truth Came Jesus. brought us uh, a power and ability when we believe Jesus as Well, because as he wrote Lord. his laws in our hearts through the power of the Holy Spirit. And, right. that's, and they're, they're, that's where they are. But so so he, he said, he was saying to her, we were talking about choices. He was saying, go and sin no more. In other words, go and make Better choices. Better choices. But also, go, first of all, and know the truth. 
know the truth so you can make better choices. You are not a harlot. You are not a prostitute. Just because you've been, see yourself doing that, behaving like that, listening to that, that terrifying lie of I'm evil, I'm bad, I'm, I'm wicked, I'm a, I'm a sinner, I, there's no hope for me. Those are lies. You are not created evil, bad, and wicked. Yes, you may be doing some of those things, but that's not who you are. But the enemy is trying to reshape your identity and draw you away from the truth of where your divine nature made an image of God into an, a corruptible uh, human nature that is full of failure and sin and then get you to embrace that so you stay there. Now, so Jesus, when he gave this woman a new uh, uh, a blessing, a forgiveness, actually. He gave her a new opportunity to go back and live a real uh, life, the right life. And, you know, um, this is the whole point. The whole point is uh, to give people a chance to know the truth. So going back to choices, do you think she's going to make a choice to go back and be a harlot when she doesn't want to be one, never did want to be one, and, and now she doesn't have to be one because the king of kings, the lord of lords, the, the man of God, is, he didn't, wasn't known at that point as the God, only... but he had given her hope and yeah, he was the only one in that there without sin. Yeah, he yeah. was the only one that he, would have been right, mm-hmm. perfectly authorized yes. to say let stoner. Yeah, he said, but he didn't. Go and so, come on, people, what kind of a God are you serving? I mean, we really need to say, well, oh yeah, 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 that's a nice story. But what? How, what does this mean to me? What does this mean to my everyday life? Um, how I interact with people, my neighbors. Uh, how am I interacting with these people? Am I loving them? Am I believing God? Am I praying to God for them that the lies that they're believing will um, be exposed and those people will be set free? You notice, I mean, we're always so quick to make it somebody's fault. We're always looking for someone to blame. But the thing is that, um, you know, we'll, we'll take the blame, we'll blame somebody else, we'll blame God, but nobody ever blames the devil for anything. But you notice there was no problems going on in the Garden of Eden until the devil came up, showed up, and lied. Right. He deceived. There, everything was fine. Nobody was missing anything. Nobody needed more of anything. Nobody was deprived of anything. Everything was super good. And then he comes and said, did God say? Well, you know, the thing is, when uh, truly Eve understood the whole thing and she didn't, she didn't, blame, she, she didn't blame herself. She knew what had happened. She said, the, the serpent deceived me. And that is, so she, so she recognized she had been tricked. She had been lied to. Most people don't recognize they've been lied to and tricked because they so assumed that their lifestyle, their experiences they've gotten, uh, gone through, everything that they've collected, all of their opinions, that we all believe, oh, that's right. That's the right standard. That's the truth. Because it really happened, really happened to me, and this is all I can believe because this is all I know. And whatever anybody else says or whatever God says is, you know, not necessarily even correct or true. So I'm going to stick with my experiences. Well, her experience previous to the deception was the, the, the clean, pure, holy, divine revelation of God. We don't have that to start with. What we have to start with is the second. We have this, the human nature. We have the experience. We have the lies. And so we don't know we're being deceived. A lot of times we don't. But go back to another example, Jesus and the woman at the well. Now, here's a woman who came to Jesus and the discussion opened up and he told her she had four or five husbands and that the current predicament that she was in, uh, he didn't say, well, you know, it's because of your choices. He never said, you know, it's your fault. It's because of your choices. Um, You know, uh, there's nothing I can do to help you. She was still trying to worship God trying to understand where are you supposed to worship God. She, she wanted some details mm-hmm. on. So obviously she still got some spiritual energy yeah. to do something to serve God. But he didn't throw the line at her 
you know, it was your choice. I, you know, you stand, um, you need to, you know, humble yourself. She, he didn't bring all this information to the public either to make a public display of her or the woman had taken in adultery and teach everybody or teach her or somebody a lesson. He wasn't uh, condescending. He wasn't uh, ruthless that way. He never, you know, and two, with Zacchaeus. Now, everybody knew, everybody knew what Zacchaeus was doing. He was, he was cheating. He was a, a tax collector. He was ripping people off. I'm sure Jesus knew it. Jesus stopped and looks right up at the tree where Zacchaeus is up there. Zacchaeus had a little hunger for God. He wanted to see God up in the tree. I mean, he wanted to see him from the tree, I should say. And Jesus stopped and said, um, come on down, Zacchaeus. I'm going to have tea at your house today. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. Is, that, is that an endorsement of Zacchaeus' sin and his fraud? Absolutely not. I, I would, yeah. What the, you know, the whole so how thing, can Jesus get by with this, and why don't we do it? Well, here, here's the deal. Because he wasn't afraid. Yeah. It's, it's interesting, you know, back to John one seventeen. grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now, he, um, Jesus was always uh, getting to the, the root of the matter. The lie, yep, the, the, lie. the fear, and, yeah. And, and this, is, this is something, this is the whole mm-hmm. way that we are needing to learn to operate is looking at, the lie behind the sin and the influencing factors behind the choices. Yes, exactly. And, 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 and okay, whether it's the spirit of God or the spirit of, of, of Satan, a mm-hmm. demon power, whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, and it's something. And also behind the scenes to not look at just us as total sinners, but look back. Yes, we are in that place of, of sinfulness and that, we have sin. That second nature has mm-hmm. do, dominates us. It's not our true nature. We're really not ourselves mm-hmm. That's when right. we're sinning, That's when we're right. living a sinful life. But looking, we just focus on the sinful nature, the sinful Rather nature. Rather than the, sin. the truth Look back, identity. Okay, wait a minute. You're created in the likeness and image of God. So, so this is the whole So what is the lie? And why are you believing this lie? Is, mm-hmm. is going behind the stage. What's going on mm-hmm. backstage? That's what we need to uh, have insight love, into in order to uh, Forgiveness. judge righteous judgment yeah. and, and, and have a forgiving, well, uh, understanding, uh, loving attitude. Well, you know, Jesus, when he came, he saw sinners as lost sheep. He said, I've come to seek and save that which is lost. He, and and, and we've, we've been described in Paul in Romans as enslaved not depraved. And so Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. He said he didn't come to just deceive. wipe out that which was lost. No. <laughs> he came no. to but, save, you know, redeem. I think uh, part and part of the, the trick Satan uses sometimes, and I think this is a lie the Pharisees were falling for, and a lot of times in self-righteous, in our great desire to be right, which everybody wants to be right, because nobody wants to be wrong, so everybody's going to be right, and their opinions are right, and they're going to defend themselves and, and whatnot. So they wanted to keep the law flawlessly, meticulously, and um, didn't realize it in the process, they, uh, in their great, the devil had captured them using their own desire to be right, to catch them on the hooks of self-righteousness. And so they were, they, then, when you get that self-righteous, critical attitude, when you become spiritually blind, you do not see it. It's very scary because you, a, a, new, a whole new disease, disease, spiritual disease sets in, and it's called spiritual blindness and hardness of heart. And, and that Jesus is 
you know, if the blind lead the blind, they're going to both fall in the ditch. And if he says, if the light that is in you be darkness, how great is that darkness? If what you're believing to be true, as the Pharisees truly believed it, they were becoming ridiculous to the point of of murdering people and and, and, um, forbidding, forbidding Jesus to do healings because it was the Sabbath, although they would have a double standard here. And pull their sheep out of the pit on the Sabbath because it was a sheep that was, in, was circling. But but Jesus was wrong for him to save one of his sheep on the Sabbath. I mean, um, or do a, 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 meal, a miracle of healing on the Sabbath. So we get to this point of absurdity. Um, go ahead. Yeah, well, that, that's, that's what happens a lot of times with uh, religious tradition. And, mm-hmm. and there's a, it creates a mindset. Uh, and it creates a blindness. Well, yeah. So we just really can't see things, and we're not able to make an accurate. Yeah. Um, we have no right decision. to do it. First of all, we don't have a right to right. do it. We have a right to restore such a one in a spirit of you know of meekness. But you know, we make ourselves a judge and a lawgiver. And in James chapter three, it says, if we do that, we take on the position reserved for God only. Um, I'm sorry, it's James chapter four. Um, we put ourselves in harm's way. We're not heeding the word of God. Uh, we're judging when we're need, in need of, of mercy ourselves. We're not giving mercy. And, and that's a very scary scripture we can get to in a little minute. But um, so and then whatever happened, you know, as we go on this way, Jesus is talking about the, the, the key, the kingdom of God. And he says, a new commandment I give to you, love your enemies. Don't just love your neighbors, love your enemies. Um, be merciful, just as your heavenly Father is merciful. Judge not; you shall not be judged. Condemn not; you shall not be condemned. This is pretty specific stuff. Don't judge. Don't condemn. Forgive. Forgive means loosing people from your judgment, letting the judgments go back to God, and you forgive them, you release them, knowing that behind their behaviors and activities and choices, the choices they're making are demonic spirits that are influencing, and in some places, in some situations, even controlling them. Like Paul going back again and doing things I don't want to do. So it's important for us to understand the this, this spiritual warfare mm-hmm. background and influences. And, and uh, you touched on this, and I want to just uh, read the scripture from Galatians chapter 6. Mm-hmm. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual... Restore such a one. Yes. In a spirit of meekness. Restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. So spiritual people mm-hmm. don't just censure people yeah. randomly and just say, oh, well, forget you then. Or make a uh, uh, but public example truly of Truly spiritual people uh, understand the, the warfare, the background. They don't condone sin, mm-hmm. but they... Yeah. To have understanding to restore this person, help this person uh, become free, mm-hmm. help this person to be uh, forgiven and uh, restored and, and uh, overcome. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, going back to Luke uh, six thirty-five through thirty-eight, where he says, "Forgiven, you'll be forgiven." He says, "For with the same measure that you use to judge or to give to or to forgive, it will be used by God to judge and give back to and forgive you." So I've heard it said this way, if you're going to use a teaspoon of, to bless or to forgive or to, uh, you know, measure out kindnesses, God's going to use a teaspoon when he's blessing and forgiving you. But if you want great blessings, then use a dump truck. 
you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's kind of an accurate way to, to mm-hmm. spiritualize, mm-hmm. unspiritualize that scripture. But, you know, Jesus said, um, the law of love says that we're to love one another. And that's the key. That's the, you know, that's the missing thing right now in a lot of our churches. The more I talk to pastors and, and uh, members of congregations, the more I see the spirit of Jezebel and gossip and discord and judgment uh, divisiveness and actually it's like um, instead of rightly dividing the word of God and understanding with truth what's really going on if you don't put the devil in the equation and you don't understand spiritual warfare we just get caught in tangles all the time if you don't do that because nothing will add up and you'll always paint yourself in a spiritual corner mm-hmm. um, so we need to rightly divide the word of God understanding behind the scenes but um, you know we have good intentions to keep this and that pure and, and keep it you know holy and keep it this and that and our, we have ambitions we make choices we're, and in the process we just kind of run over each other we, we don't seek first the other person's good we are always kind of looking out for ourselves and um, that is not condone, blessed or, or uh, permitted or uh, endorsed by God um, so these destructive things that he should have known better it was his fault he made the choice it was his choice you know how does that help when, when, if somebody land blasts you with, well, you know, you should have known better. That's your bed. You need to, you need to lie in it. You made that bed. You lie in it. Did God say that to Adam and Eve? Well, no. He, re- he immediately brought the plan of redemption. Yes, they were chased out of the garden. But You know, it, the, the whole idea of, you know, the concept of repentance is that, you know, you change your mind. Mm-hmm. In other words, you realize, okay, you know, the, the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, uh, John... 14 and 16, talking about the Mm -hmm. Holy Spirit, he would come, he would reprove or convict or Mm -hmm. convince Mm -hmm. the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. So there's a... There are consequences, you know. There are consequences. And the consequences to sin um, are not, you know, I mean, obviously there were consequences to Adam and Eve's sin. They were sent out Mm. of the garden, but they were not damned. They were were, uh, redeemed. The Lord sent a redemption plan. He had, he had a plan. He already had it before the sin even happened, I'm sure. And so he started to enact, enforce uh, the plan to bring forth the Redeemer. But, you know, there are consequences to making bad choices. And a lot of times what happens is we start to live under the shadow of those bad choices and we start to sink because we feel bad, guilty, we had it coming. If the devil can convince us that we are guilty, we're bad, we don't deserve good things, all of a sudden we have the beginning of an avalanche. And you know what an avalanche does. It starts out with one little wrong step, and before you know it, you're buried in you know, a million tons of snow um, because you, believe, you, you agree with the devil. And the devil is the one who's, you know, he's got his, his he's surveilling, uh, surveillance, running surveillance on all of us all the time, spiritually, to find out a way he can judge us, condemn us, and even if we are not, not guilty of something, he makes up a bogus rule accusation. Like a lot of people get taken to court and they didn't even do anything wrong. They just charges pressed against them for whatever because people just do that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so they end up believing the lie instead of saying, you know, God forgive me for believing that lie that caused me to make that choice. I confess my sin, the behavior. I also repent of and, and um, cancel out my agreement with the lie. And I ask you to forgive me. That's the solution to making a wrong choice. You admit the, the, the sin comes out of the choice. The right. consequences then come out of the sin. Okay. Now, here, here's a, a question here. In the, in the church, uh, among 
believers is what we're talking about here, the true believers in Jesus Christ, are the church. Mm-hmm. Um, so say I see uh, a friend of mine that is, you know, he's going the wrong way. Mm-hmm. He's, he's making some very poor choices. Um, he's, what, whatever he's doing, he's just making a bunch of... Do we uh, not see this every day? Oh, constantly, constantly. We we see that, and we're just kind of like, oh Lord. So, know, what are we what supposed to do about doing? that? That's that's what I want. That's what I'm bringing up. Okay, what would I do about that? What we should do? About, well, first of so all, so I say, well, you know, I don't want to judge him. I, I just God's the judge, and I mean, so I just well, first let of him all, go. you're going to talk to the Lord about it yourself. You're going right. to pray for him. You're going to say, Lord, what is what's going on here? What's the spirit behind this? What's the lie? What's the demon? What's the oppressing oppressing spirit doing? to my brother, my sister, um, that's causing them to be so controlling, so uh, troublesome. Uh, yeah, and a lot of these people really cause a lot of trouble. It's like they, the more, they, they want attention, and so they're going to get negative attention by doing really destructive things. Uh, or sometimes they're trying to hide their sin. Maybe you know about a secret, maybe somebody's... But what the first thing I would say to do is seek the Lord say, God, what would you have me do? Jesus was wise. He was quiet. He first went to the Father and said, what, what should I do here? I mean, I'm sure he knew what to do, but he just took it very slowly. And at the same time, what he said was so powerful that mm. it, it just it undid the whole yes. de- demo- dynamic, dynamic, demonic, can you talk, trap that has been set for your brothers. And so I think restoring such a one in the spirit of meekness begins with weeping and right. crying and binding demons. It says uh, in Galatians 6 of the scripture we read a while ago, mm-hmm. considering yourself. There's, you, are. you are spiritual. Restore such a one. Consider your, considering yourself, that you'll also be tempted. Right. So I think part of that is for the, for, for if I'm going to speak to a brother, for example, mm-hmm. that would, that's, that's sinning, Mm-hmm. I would not bring him before the Lord, and then I would let the Lord examine my own heart first. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, this is all ha- has to be done in the spirit of meekness, the spirit of love, mm-hmm. the spirit of trusting God. These are We're all God's servants. To his own master, he stands or falls. So if God is correcting me and dealing with me, and or he's dealing with the next guy, and he's using me as part of that correction process, you know, the Bible says if you have something against someone, you're to go to them. And and if they don't receive you, then you take someone else with you. And then if they don't receive the two, the witness of the two, then you take them to the church. You bring it before the church. Or or if you know that someone has something against you, you're to go to them as well. In, in either case, we're supposed to take the initiative to go to them uh, and make this thing right. But if you see that your brother or sister is doing something that's detrimental and destructive, um, it really takes wisdom. He was. Uh, save souls when souls is wise it because a lot of people come off very defensive when you want to bring something to their attention even if you're trying let's just use the word for a second to do it in the right spirit or in the spirit of love um they may take offense they may use and part of that is just denying it and trying to you know save face or or blame you or find a fault in you or something too and it's like, so a lot of times when we're willing to lay down our life for our brother and sister, it means we're taking, um, the, in our hands, we're taking the, the, they may not like us, you know, they may get mad at us, and yet we care about them more than we care about being perfectly um, loved by them. Right, right. But, you know, and again, the church does not do this at all. The church 
is in, in bad shape in a lot of ways in the way we handle personal relationships and the way we do relationships with each other. Because I believe so, again, it goes back to a simple problem that we have mixed re- religion, we've mixed law with grace, and we're trying to figure out what to do when we just need to sit before the Lord and say, God, what is the truth? What do you want me to know? What's the lie? I bind the spirits. I pray now that you give me favor as I go before my brother, my sister, like the prophet Nathan, when he went before David, he um, had sought the Lord and God gave him a parable. And it, and, and it worked. David, you know, could have cut his head off. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had the authority as king to destroy Nathan's life. And, and so Nathan, doing God's work, was taking his life into his own hands, so to speak. But um, God gave him the wisdom and gave David a, a softened heart. Now, something, there is a place for... A, 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 a loving, gracious time of, we could call it confrontation. Um, n- not that you're just coming and accusing or coming with a bad attitude or spirit, but with a gracious, loving heart. Um, there is a time to come and say, you know, uh, brother, sister, I, I care about you. Mm-hmm. And not just say it because it's a nice thing to say, yeah. but it, it, it's mm-hmm. got to be out of wisdom and love. out of wisdom and love. And I, I, I recognize mm-hmm. this is what's going on. How can I help you? How can I yeah. encourage you? Mm-hmm. How can we, uh, you know? But going get back, back on the right going track, back yeah. to taking the other side. Now, I think we have two problems here. You've got the problem you brought up where we're afraid to go to a brother or sister. We're kind of pulling back because we're afraid what they'll think, what they'll say, how they'll react, mm-hmm. how they'll treat us fear of being rejected that's one side but on the other side we have a group that is is is, you know um you know judging criticizing uh and and in danger of doing the very same things they're they're judging others for doing so but my question is um for that group um you know why is it okay for me i I can carry this double standard i can it's okay for me to do this and that and the other thing but i but i it's not okay for you to do it uh, my opinions and, and how I carry my life and according to how I believe and the sex and the denominations, I, church teachings I'm following, I can do this and this. And this. It's okay for me. But it's not, you know, then we judge the other person for doing exactly what we're doing and, uh, and we continue to be deceived. There's also bound in this spirits of gossip and backbiting and judging and fault finding and sowing discord and bringing division and creating confusion and contempt for the gospel of Jesus Christ through this hard-hearted, blind set of religious judgments. How many people right now are not going to church anymore because they have been, either one of those things has happened to them. Something, the sin has been mishandled, uh, they've been misunderstood, they've been um, gossiped about, they've been harshly treated, they've not been restored in the spirit of meekness. They're still carrying a wound, a scar, bitterness. um, And yet God says very, very boldly and very clearly, and there's just no way to other other way to interpret this, he says, if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will the Father forgive your trespasses. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just as black and white as it can be. And mm-hmm. if you don't have any ever need of forgiveness, then go ahead and judge everybody you want. But that's Matthew 6.15. But why do you put a stumbling block in front of others? Paul says, if, if my even some dumb little things I do, like eating meat that, you know, the Bible says to the pure, all things are pure. That means that if you're already forgiven and you're loving God and walking in the goodness of God, other people may judge this and that about you. For example, Paul was, I, I believe he was eating meat that he bought, purchased in the marketplace that had, uh, you know, probably was cheaper or whatever, offered to the idols. And it was no big deal because he said the idols are nothing and it's just meat. 
I'll just go ahead and eat it. But he says, I'm not going to you know, bring that kind of meat out and serve it for my guests until I got it from the shambles where it was offered to the idols because it might cause them to stumble. He says, if it gets to that, he says, if, it's that, if they're that delicate, uh, if they're vegetarians, I won't eat meat in front of them. I won't do it. I won't bring out any because mm-hmm. I love them. Um, and so that was the, where he was willing to lose his life for someone else, that he could help someone else um, get their life. And so a lot of times, however, God, Satan is actually using the believers to serve the house of hell, to divide the house of God. We're actually serving the house of hell, not knowing it, thinking we're right, we're righteous, we're vindicated, we're justified in doing this and that. And God have mercy. This is the most horrible way. This is the most horrible way to be a believer. It's a terrible example um, it's, it's, it doesn't encourage anybody. It doesn't teach us about the grace, the love of God. Um, and our conduct, he says in, in Peter, first Peter two twelve, that our conduct is to be meek and honorable among the Gentiles. How are they going to be impressed if they see us just backbiting and criticizing and devouring one another? And if we do that to one another, we surely aren't afraid to do that to the unbelievers. We're just, how are you going to win them when you've judge them as oh they're so bad they're so sinful they're so evil they're so wicked well you know sinners sin and dogs bark mm-hmm. it's just the way it is mm-hmm. you know it's just until they we all get redeemed that's what's going to happen um so in order to be right we think that we have to you know make sure that we're right and everything else is everybody else is judged according to our opinions and our versions of the truth but you know, but we don't realize that our righteousness comes from the righteousness of God, not from our being right in our own eyes. And, and that's the thing is a lot of times what we do is we don't look for what's the truth. We just we spout our opinions. Right. We look at mm-hmm. evidence. We look at our experience. Yeah. We look and, and however we've been influenced through the media yeah. or yeah. through the church but or you know this, through our own experience. And we come up with an opinion mm-hmm. and we, we apply our opinion yeah. to situations, and we're going we're well, to make the right The right, uh, what judgment. we see to be right, comes from our pre, already pre-chosen, preconceived set of rules and standards that we have decided are the rules and the standards to which we're going to judge right behavior and righteousness. And what if our rules are wrong? And, you know, for most people, everything is just a debate. It's just, it can be this, it can be that. You know, we got pros, we got cons, we got... And everybody, when you said it, put it all on paper, it's about half and half. It's about 50-50. There's, you know, there's just as many good points as there's bad points when you're trying to use your mind or your soul, your emotions to figure something out. But when you use the Word of God, you don't have to try to figure anything out or, or go into debate because it, you already... It settles it. It's already settled because you already know God mm-hmm. never lies. God knows the truth. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where, you know, a lot of people get, uh, they find, they get stuck in bitter, bickering it, and old, declaring their own righteousness. Right. It's the old saying, uh, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Well, you know, that's true, but love, forgiveness, and grace are emotionally messy and time-consuming. You know, yeah. we don't like messy things. We like nice, neat, lists, lines, you know, straight, black, uh, let's white. Let's face it, most of us are yeah. messy people. Well, you know, and, and we, we don't need, do love yeah. very well. We don't do no. forgiveness very well. We don't do emotions very well. We kind yeah. of we take pills so we can manage them. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so with the only people who are really free are the ones who can love without fear. You know, it's going to be okay. God is going to make it fair. I mean, I know so many people right now who are being so unjustly treated, you know, in their workplace and their relationships. Um, 
I mean, it's just so obviously they're being persecuted. Mm-hmm. Um, and how can you handle that? How can you not get angry? How can you not, unless, um, oh, we have, a, we have a question. Come on, come on in the, in the chat room with us. Wow, Margie, and are you talking about me? Yes, I'm talking about you. Yeah. <laughs> Come on in. What's your Come on in. What's your question? Yeah. What's up? Well, or your so, you, know, you were talking about um you know, uh when you have a problem with somebody that you should go to them. And mm-hmm. You know, I do have a comment because it does seem, you know, we have that situation going on with all the rioting and um, all of that uh, tension. And uh, it does seem to me like a lot of times what happens is when people have a problem with somebody, Mm -hmm. instead of going to them, they just start, everybody just calls the police. You know, somebody's (laughs) sitting in front of my house, let's call the police. Somebody's music's loud, let's call the police. And I do feel kind of bad for the police because they're, you know, making all these endless sort of, you know, peacekeeping, stupid disputes between people. But that's my comment. But I don't Mm -hmm. know that we can fix that. But what I – my question is if somebody has an offense with something that you said or that you did that was just speaking the truth and then they get Mm -hmm. upset, Mm -hmm. what – do you do because you've offended them to make it better? Um, well, I guess the question has do? to be asked: What, what have, why are they offended? Um, is what you said to them wrong? Is it a judgment? Is, was it fair? Was it truth? Sometimes people get yeah. offended when we tell them the truth uh, because they they're not there yet. They still have their own little world of lies and the way things are and their appearances and so and, and they don't want to um, be shaken out of that place of yeah um, somebody said years ago that the truth will set you free but at first it will make you miserable or mad or mad yeah <laughs> so I think that that's true so when you you're trying and, and this is a problem because a lot of times, you know, I know this is not just one or two stories, but a lot of people, you've tried to go to someone, you've tried to reconcile, you've tried to make something right, you've tried to explain your side of it, and they just won't have anything to do with it. They're just, they want to stay mad, they want to stay hurt, they want to stay, uh, keep their distance, they want to do whatever they want to do. Because, number one, a fear. Fear is the bottom line and all that, because they're not, they really don't want to be reconciled. A lot of people really aren't repenting like the woman taken in adultery she was not at that place she was at a place where i i want to be reconciled i want to be forgiven i i don't know how to get it but i want it and and but some people they're not there yet they're still offended they're still angry they still believe that they've got to stay mad and keep their distance so that judge justice will be served and the, and it's the bitterness is like, I'm going to stay mad at you until God does something to fix this and proves me right. And so some people hold their bitterness for 20, 30 years. Um, so if you've done what you can, and this is true for a lot of us, you, you've gone there. How many, I mean, just how many stories of husbands and wives where the one is tried to, the, the godly one is tried to reconcile, work it out. And, um, you know, even almost probably bent over backwards and given too much just to, just to give, make peace. Uh, and there's still no reconciliation. God does not hold it against the one who's tried to make peace. After all, he's, he's tried to make peace with us himself, you know. Um, 
and, and peace, uh, he says, uh, my peace I give to you. Uh, when he came into the world, he said, um, be of good cheer. He says, um, a good news, you know, uh, peace and reconciliation. Um, so there's, there's a lot of um, times that, you know, God is trying to make peace with us too. And we just throw it back in his face. So it's kind of the same, the same thing that's going on um, in a lot of our individual cases. This is a question for Larry, Larry as a man. So sometimes men don't really, you know, they just want to go into their man cave. What if they don't ever want to come out? What would you do? Uh, Jerry, you mean? Jerry, Jerry, what would you want to do? Uh, You only call them honey. How am I supposed to know? Okay. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Well, Well, you were close. (laughs) I I don't know. I mean, I, I don't particularly have a man cave of my own that I... I, I know of, but um, you know. I, well, you know people, how men just like to wall off and kind of yeah, go to the love stuff. off, take a nap, and just kind of space out and don't want to talk and yeah, don't want to and, talk. and just just kind of you know watch the game or or yeah. whatever like that. Stay in their own little world. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think part of it is is just kind of a. Um, a, a maybe a fear and maybe an insecurity. Mm-hmm. Self-defense. And, 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 what's that? Self-defense or defending themselves. Yeah, uh, it, it can be a self-defense or just like, I just need my space. I mean, a lot of people, that's how they deal with stress and mm-hmm. pressure. They just got to, you know, watch a movie or have a drink or give me my space or, mm-hmm. you know, I'll take the weekend off and stuff like that. But um, They think space is going to cure yeah, something. Yeah, space or being alone mm-hmm. or watching something or drinking something is going to cure that. And it doesn't really cure that. And, and, and a lot of times I, I really believe that, you know, there's times, you know, men and women we need, need private space. But sometimes we, we get to be very selfish that way where we kind of shut other people out and we kind of get into our own little own little world. Um, yeah. So I don't well, know and I think that's that's exactly what you're saying. That selfishness, a fear of you know, if you really know who you are, you're not going to be offended. Jesus didn't take it personally when people you know, you know, were mocking him on the cross and 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 you know, challenging him and you know, if you are the son of God, come down from the cross. And he he knew who he was. So therefore, whatever he did, he knew it wasn't his. It was the Father's will. And so he didn't take anything personally. So therefore, he was never offended. Therefore, when he was dying on the cross, he could clearly say, simply say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. They don't have a clue about what we're doing right here. They don't have a clue about what's going on. They don't have a clue about how important this is right now. They are so bound, captured, captivated, stupid, stuck, dumbed down. They have no clue. And so he wasn't taking it personal, I think, for you or for anybody who's Realizing you're working with someone who's so in that place of of, of, of isolation, uh, spirit of stupor, deaf and dumb spirits, numbed out. And a lot of people are in a lot of pain, and so they they really do numb out. They just check out. Uh, Jesus had a man cave, and his man cave was wherever he could go to be alone with the Father. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. That was his man cave. And how many, if men would go into that kind of a man cave, they'd be... That'd, that'd be okay. We'd have nice better man. husbands, better fathers. We'd have a lot of... Better legislators. Power, we'd have better powerful everything. Powerful guys yeah, around, yeah. So. Everything would be much better. Yeah. So that's good. Any other co- comments or thoughts you got on these things? You're provoking no, us to... But, 
No, but um, maybe we can um, have uh, you say a prayer for all the people out there with the deaf and dumb, walled-off spirits. Okay, well, let's do it right now. Yeah. Well, Father, we mm-hmm. just thank you that uh, you made us to hear your voice. You made us to speak your word. And we just pray, Lord, for anybody that's listening or knows of someone that is, where there's this uh, kind of, it's like a deaf and dumb spirit where where people are kind of shut off, shut down, privacy, crawled away, uh, just don't really speak, that maybe mull things over in their minds and uh, and just don't speak out. Father God, we, we ask in the name of Jesus that there you bring freedom, mm-hmm. Father God. From these deaf and dumb spirits, Lord, you have you have uh, made men and women, your your people, your men, your women, your boys, your girls, uh, to speak forth your word, to be quiet and listen to your voice through through the scriptures, through the Holy Spirit, other ways that you speak to us, Lord, and and then to uh, to to hear well, and, and then to obey. Uh, well, and, and to speak with authority. There's a time to be silent. There's a time to speak. Mm-hmm. And, and we pray that for for all of us that we will know those times and that they will speak like, uh, uh, like uh, I don't remember if it was Paul or Peter that said, if any man speak, then to speak as the oracles of God. Mm-hmm. As as he's speaking the very word of God, bring yes, bring truth to their hearts, their minds, that they can speak the truth, Father God, yes, in Lord. Jesus. And we bind the demons, the lying spirits that have locked up these people in caves of offense and defensiveness, hardness of hearts, blindness, dullness of hearing. Father, release your people, or we won't be released. Lord, the devil's locked yeah. up so many people. It's up to you to to, un- to free them, Lord God. And so we thank you for that now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, thank amen. you, my dear. Well, thank you. Right. Have yeah. a wonderful day. I will you continue too. to listen. Thanks. All right. Okay. okay. Thanks for yeah. calling. You know, another thing that goes on here, too, is that um, when we don't speak up, sometimes, it, you know, it, we're afraid, you know, if I don't speak up and don't say that it was their choice, then we'll be justifying bad behavior somehow. When, you know, on the other side of that, we could be caught, be being disgracing the father's heart ourselves for being so harsh and unkind. But, you know, bringing up that subject of grace, and I think people are very uncomfortable with grace. I mean, they don't know what to do with free will because we don't know to do choices and we don't know what to do with free will because free will opens the door to all kinds of bad choices and bad behavior and sin. And, and, and so these kinds of, people, of things are... A lot of people's definition of grace. Is what? God... God loves me, and I can get by with anything. Well, you know, God's the one who came up with the idea of grace, and does God giving us grace and long, being long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, does God's giving us grace, does that give us a, an endorsement to misuse that grace or to a license to sin? I think a lot of people think that, you know, somehow we have to be caged, we have to be threatened, we have to be afraid, we have to be locked up, or we're going to do the wrong thing. You know, if, if that's the way it has to be, you've got to be locked up in a pen or you're going to do the wrong thing, then you, you don't have free will. You don't have, you know, God wants us to freely love him, freely do the right thing, freely and choose, you know, freely. Not, so grace is part of the, of the gift. 
It's the opportunity to demonstrate your true love for God rather than God dictating and demanding it. You know, when you love your parents, that you don't need to have them tell you 10 million rules that, that you have to, to have to keep in order to, to prove your love. You're demonstrating your love, and it comes out of a pure heart or a heart of love. It doesn't come out of rule-keeping. Rule-keeping is you could be doing that because you're, you know, you know, complying because you're trying to manipulate them to get something who knows but when you're freely giving love and grace as god has given us he's given us the grace to make a mistake he's given us the grace to forgive and be forgiven so um we but can are we going to find fault with god who's the one who started this grace thing in the first place and long suffering when in fact it is actually as we said before the long suffering of god that brings us to repentance or are we going to despise the riches of his goodness and the forbearance and long suffering not knowing that is those very things as jerry read earlier that bring us, Romans 2, 4, to repent. So giving someone grace and mercy does not mean you're giving them a license to sin. It actually means I believe that God's work in you is good and that you, by the spirit and grace and strength of God, have the, the grace to make the right choice. And I don't have to beat you up, lecture you, judge you, criticize you, blame you. And if you make a mistake, I'm here to... If I'm older than you, I'm here to encourage you, help because I've probably been on that spot in the road myself, you know. So, um, but refusing to forgive them uh, really makes us pawn slaves, um, tools in the hand of the evil one. So he uses our sin of unforgiveness as his opportunity to bring both consequences to us and judgments, but also discouragement to them. Um, and a lot of times those judgments that come upon us because we hold grudges, bitterness, because we're self-righteous, uh, because we believe lies, because we teach lies, because we don't know the love of God, opens the door to pain and afflictions and um, separation from God. So unwillingness also to forgive others sets God in a predicament because he said, you know, I can't forgive you if you refuse to give one, forgive one another. So what does that mean? Does that mean if I don't get forgiveness, does that mean I'm lost? What does that mean? Well, it, it has, it can, can we lose our salvation? That's another question for another day. But I know a lot of people who are um, terrified. They're following God because of fear, because they're afraid they can lose their salvation. Well, at what point do you lose your salvation? Where's the line that you cross? What's the, the thing that you do that will you know, tip the scale? That's no better than coming out of some of these religions that are all works, works-based. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you got saved because you accepted Jesus Christ, the Son of God, not because you stopped sinning. So it wasn't sin or the lack of sin or, or, or refraining from sin that got you into heaven in the first place. So it's not a sin that's going to keep you out. When we sin, after you're saved, we continue to sin as much as we are tricked. Every time we're tricked by the deceiver and we fall for the lie, we will sin. So what are you going to do? God says, confess your sin, repent. He didn't say, go do penance and, and stand in the corner for 20 years and then I'll maybe listen to you again. You know, so stop putting such pressure on the assurance of your salvation. It's like having a child. You had that child. The child was born. You brought the child home from the hospital. The child began to learn how to walk and crawl and move around and ride his bike and he fell down. Now what are you going to do? Throw him away? You're going to take him back to the hospital and tell him he's got to get born again and start over again? Say you're not my child anymore. Yeah. What's ridiculous about that? Mm-hmm. Everything. Mm-hmm. How do we, why do we put things on God 
that we wouldn't even consider doing ourselves because you don't have a right concept of God. That's why. And you better get the right concept of God because otherwise it's going to happen when this world goes crashing down and we have to go into our chambers because of the indignation of the Lord, as we read earlier. You will judge God. And you don't want to be caught judging God because that ain't going to be good for you. And he ain't liking that either because it's all a lie. So we want to know that God's got to do some of these things and he and we're okay with it because he is taking care of us in the midst of his having to judge this world. So hang in there and stay in the word of God and get rightly divided. Okay? So that doesn't if you know, so we don't get so discouraged. Um yeah, so we don't want to give God, put him in a difficult spot, like tempting the Lord. Uh, Jesus says, don't t- thou shalt not tempt the Lord your God when he was going to jump down off the pinnacle of the temple. The devil told him to do that. You don't put God in that place where he's going to have to, you know, choose against himself to save you. I mean, he's always, you know, that's, we're not going to put him in, the, in that uh, place of um, contradiction where he has to contradict himself because he won't. Um, now, it was the perfection the kind of perfection we're looking for, you know, that we're built by God to recognize the divine nature is that perfection that Jesus accomplished through the work on the cross. He, he, he died for us himself. Um, and so, therefore, if that's what had to be done to save us, then isn't it kind of pointless for God to demand that we be good and have good behavior and self-improvement as the keys to getting to heaven when, in fact, the issues of eternal life were already settled and obtained through the death of the son, not through good behavior of those enslaved to Satan. So the whole point is we weren't saved. We had to be saved through the son, not through getting rid of sin. So you can't lose your salvation through sinning. However, you know, after a while, God's spirit is always there to con- con- you know, convict us, not condemn us, but convict us to draw us back into the truth. And hopefully we, through the love of God and through the long suffering of God, those, um, those admonitions and walk in, in grace and mercy. So do you have any other questions for me in terms of, of, you know, Jerry, anything that comes up to you? And by the way, those of you who haven't even given up the number yet tonight, um, it is, if you want to call in. Yeah. Three, four, seven, two, one, five, eight, zero, five, one. Again, three, four, seven, two, one, five, eight, zero, five, one. If you to give us a call. Yeah. We're kind of diving through this thing and we're going to probably, um, Hit the hit some more of the high spots here because there's a little bit more people might have co- lots of questions about this. I'm sure lots of examples that they have had in their past uh, current probably of being um, misunderstood, not knowing what to do when people make bad choices, being tempted to, and, and maybe being judged themselves for choices that they made. Um, but God's salvation, um, our, our salvation actually comes from our response to God's invitation, whosoever will. And call upon the name of the Lord. That's how we get saved. It's a matter of accepting the perfect work of Jesus Christ, not of trying to be perfect ourselves. And then it's through that, that His work, that God perfects that which concerns us. Um, it's not pursuing our own righteousness. That's why so many times people have to lay down their control, even the control over their own spiritual life and development, and just it stop the self improvement, the self help, the, all this you know striving stuff, and say, Lord, You're the teacher. You're the one leading me. The Holy Spirit sent to lead us into all truth. Um, so we accept the standards of, and, and if you're, you're trying to be righteous in your own strength, you are, are not following the gospel of Jesus Christ. So part of following him is to lay down the pursuits of our own righteousness. And that will protect us from that legalistic trap the devil sets that would cause us, demand us, um, 
to make judgments um, and that and that he then is allowed to use the law as the standard of righteousness and the means of salvation. And then, of course, if you break that law, then he can come pouncing down on you with accusation because bottom line is the law can justify no one. You know, keeping the law to as a means of obtaining salvation does not work. The Bible says don't use it. It, it doesn't work. And yet how many people do that all the time? Yeah, we, we don't really have to do, you know, do a bunch of things to try to get to heaven. And that issue has been settled. Um, so what do we do? Believe and receive. But what happens sometimes is that uh, a lot of times what we do is we say we're saved by grace through faith. And we do nothing and more. And then, <laughs> then we end up sitting down, trying to keep the works of, uh, works of the law, trying to do things. Now, obviously, the Spirit of God, if someone is genuinely born again of the Spirit, the Spirit of God is going to be working in that person. That would be the Holy Spirit. And, 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 and you're going to be producing the fruit of the Spirit mm-hmm. is going to be coming out of your life. Yeah. And it's not the fruit of your 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 efforts. It's not the fruit yeah, of your yeah. self-discipline, although part of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Well, self-discipline, but it's not the fruit of it. So it's the result of the Spirit of God working in you mm-hmm. and, and, and then doing the right thing. Well, so like so the thing like, is, the, the leading of the Spirit will lead your influence, your behavior, well, and, and your heart and your thinking to be far superior than most to people, any kind of self-help program you could ever get. Most on. people are trying to be an apple tree so they can produce an apple. And they already are. No, yeah. They're trying to be an apple tree so they can produce an apple. You already, like you said, are an apple tree. And out of your abiding in that identity as an apple tree, Jesus is abiding in me as we abide in him as a branch abides in the vine. We'll bring forth that fruit of righteousness, peace, joy, self-control, all that other stuff, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, meekness, da-da-da. And that's, that's, not, that's not a striving. That apple tree doesn't strive to become an apple tree. It is. And it's out of being and abiding comes the doing, not I'm doing, doing, doing so I can be. Yeah, it, it just... It, it's We've got it so backwards, and it's so much easier to do it, it the way it, God it, set it, it up. It, my English is kind of weird on this, but it, 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 it is what it be, and it be what it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. Well, you know, and another thing, going back to a couple more examples of what Jesus did in complicated situations where... People did something that was really messed up, you know. Well, for example, James and John, when they went through Samaria and they were in a hurry and the Samaritans kind of rejected them. And they wanted to call down fire on the Samaritans, a pretty, I'd say, a pretty immediate and severe judgment. And Jesus said to them, you do not know what spirit you are of. He didn't say, what kind of a choice are you making here? What kind of example? Where's your Take responsibility, uh, you, know, you, know, you know, whatever. He did not... He just said, you don't know. He was really looking looking at behind the choice to get mad, get impatient, get frustrated. Behind your frustration, guys, is is something you're believing. What were they believing? What was the lie that they were believing? They were listening to spirits of impatience, frustration, anger, uh, offense. And you jump on to uh, Peter. Yeah. Uh, when Jesus said, well, I'm going to go to the cross. And Mm -hmm. he says, oh, no, no. I mean, you can't you can't do that. Uh, no, Lord, that's that's far be it from you to have that kind of experience. Yeah. And and Jesus said, "Get behind me, Satan." Yeah. So these so guys. So he didn't say, "Get behind me, Peter." 
Yeah. He said, get behind me, Satan, mm-hmm. who was influencing So Peter. Jesus knew about the, the power of the voice, the, the demonic influences, even on these holy men. Um, and so if they, standing right in the presence of Jesus, were being tempted, how much more vulnerable uh, to those deceptions are, can we, are yeah. we? Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and even more so those who don't claim the covering of you know Christianity or the or the grace of God. A lot well, of people there aren't saved. What do we you know? And at, at that time, we have to grant at that time the Holy Spirit. They were in the immediate presence of right. Jesus right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have the Holy Spirit living right inside of us. Now, now. we have the Holy Spirit yeah. lives in. But in you know what? Us. If we don't put the I, all of this experience into the context of spiritual warfare. Nothing makes any sense. We just get frustrated. We get tangled up with judging. We get tangled up with not knowing what to do. We get tangled up with, you know, things don't make sense. They don't line up. And and the Bible says take every thought captive. Well, how can we do that unless, you know, there's some reason? Why why would God say to do that unless there's something very important about our thoughts? If we don't understand the spiritual warfare background, then we're just... Then we're making uh, uh, oh. erroneous. We're trying to uh, trying to figure things out. Right. We're we're making erroneous judgments. We're making superficial judgments. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, the Bible says, "Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will." Why does God? And, say and we're giving our opinions. Yeah. Instead of really seeing what's what's the truth behind but, it. Again, Jesus is always. Always he, looking behind the scenes. scenes. And if we don't know that there's a war going on and we just, you know, lollygag out there and don't take any, uh, you know, aggressive action against the enemy or resist the devil or submit to God or cancel out the agreements, we just kind of, oh, it is what it is. And, you know, you know, tiptoe through the tulips kind of thing where we don't understand. There's going to be so, there are so many spiritual casualties because of this. People are dropping like flies. They're, they're falling from their little perches, their pinnacles, their places of idolatry, their places of they thought they were safe, you know, their pastors, their leaders, their this, their that. And they're just being shot out of the trees, shot out of, uh, because they don't put the devil in the equation. I don't know why people don't want to do that. I, it's not sacrilegious. It's not giving him too much power. It's just saying, yeah, there's an enemy here. If there, you went to a movie and there'd be no villain, you'd walk out of the movie. It wouldn't even be that interesting. This is the, this, the war for our souls. Don't you think there's going to be mm-hmm. a villain here? Mm-hmm. What we have to remember, too, in the spiritual warfare aspect, Margie, there are, God is working as well. Well, so, right. So, you know, it's as a, you said many then, times, yeah. you said uh, God and Satan are working at the same place at the same time doing the opposite things. Right. That's where the one is kind to of break the you, one is to make is. you. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. So uh, it's important to realize that behind the scenes in these situations, this is yeah. where the good fight of faith comes in. Mm-hmm. Well, behind the scenes in these issues, God is at work too. Yeah, even he if we can't is. see it, and we need we to know that because we have to know that that it's not just oh mm-hmm. Satan's doing this and Satan's doing Getting that. Get by with that, and but hey, and... God is is at work there. So praise he, Him. He has overcome. The powers of darkness. That's the even whole though the point. Powers the whole point is darkness. who are you going to believe in this big fight? Right. Yeah. Are you going to declare the works of the Lord, or are you going to wimp out on God and and go and take the devil's side and say the devil's big and bad and he's more powerful than God? So back back to the question we talked about last week. Well, can the, we know there are demonic influences, temptations, evil influences that get into our souls, our minds? But 
can they affect our choices? Can the devil make me do something? Well, that was the question. Like, can the devil make me do something? Well, think of it. Bottom line, if the devil could make you do anything, he'd already made you do it. And you'd, be, you'd be dead and in hell. So we have to back it up and say, the devil technically cannot make me do anything as a believer. Because if he could, he would have done it already. He only has the power to influence his ability to lie, to persuade, to get us to believe. And once we believe, then we sign over our power to him, and then he can start to control, manipulate us, and we end up doing things and, we don't want his, to do. his influence comes in the form of lies that appear to be true. Jesus said you shall know the truth, and the truth is that you appear to be the truth. Right, exactly. Never it says appears to be something right. good. Yeah. It appears to be something right. Mm-hmm. It's something to... Immediate. Yeah, you know, like the serpent in the garden, to make one wise. Well, yeah, and it, pain. You know, to the, be like God to, and to yeah. you know, take control of your well, life. Well, Eve wasn't in pain, but we have nowadays, pain is a great motivator. People are in pain. They're in panic attacks. They're terrified. They're depressed. They're, they're feeling down, blue, uh, whatever. And they go to the doctor. They, go, they get a pill. They, get a, they eat food. They drink something. They medicate somehow to take away momentarily anxiety or pain. And those things only hook us in deeper. And so pain becomes the motivator. So we're being intimidated, bribed, coerced into um, making some of these choices. Like I think Robin Williams was coerced into making some of the choices that he made. Um, And as you make more and more choices to listen to the devil, he gets more and more power and authority. But God, on the other hand, will not make me do anything because he's given us a free will. And he wants us to use that free will to choose him freely. So, um, uh, the, the, you know, like you said, too, the devil tempts us with things that look good. And, and even like it was maybe our idea. And that's called deception. The more he can deceive us with his clever arguments, the more he can entangle us. And a lot of times he will deceive us with religious arguments and language and using the word of God. You know, the Bible says, I just read this somewhere this week. Don't avoid vain um, um, disputes about the law. I think it's Titus. Vain disputes, vain babblings. Um, um, because, you know, what they do, what do they gender? What do they in, uh, um, generate? They generate strife. Right. They don't... Strife. Because the, the... Needless division. Because the law is... And again, um, you're just messing around with stuff that's on the... Yeah, it says here. Supervision. Um, and you're dealing with all kinds of opinions and debates mm-hmm. that are, are, are profitless. Yeah. Um, let's see if I can find it. Oh, yeah. It's uh, Titus 3, 9. But avoid foolish disputes, genealogies, contentions, and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and useless. You know, because, and then he says here, right after that, reject the device of man after the first or second admonition, knowing that such a person is warped and sinning, being self-condemned. Well, here he's saying, there's a time. There's a time for everything. There's a time to... Um, reject the device of man. There's a time to turn the, the, the cheek and go the second mile. The question is, what time is it? Is it time for me to turn the cheek or go the second mile? Or is it time for me to reject the device of man? We don't always know. What, and, and does that mean you're judging them when you reject a device of man? No, you're just being obedient. He's already rejected the counsel of the Lord, and he's not ready at this point, prepared to receive or humble himself. He isn't and that's the key. A lot of times people just don't have that gift to humble themselves. And so uh, yet it's a gift of repentance. We need to pray for people to have that great gift. Uh, be teachable. Yeah. And, and just, um, you know, the way we view 
ourselves, uh, the way we view other people, uh, has a really a, so much to do with uh, oh, everything. Everything in our lives. I mean, relate all, all our relationships. We should just let God just just scrap the whole identity. Shoot, yeah. delete the program and start over with the Word of God. Or start over with the Word of God, and if we can look at every human being, uh, no matter how uh, powerful and successful and beautiful mm-hmm. they seem to be, or every human, no matter what what race, what religion, what country, mm-hmm. if we can see every human being as someone that is was created in the likeness and image of God someone that God loves so very much, mm-hmm. no matter how warped or, or wicked they seem to be at the time, mm-hmm. if we could see them that way, Jesus saw the crowds, Matthew nine thirty five through 38. He saw the crowds as um, scattered abroad. They were harassed and helpless, it says in one translation, mm-hmm. like sheep without a shepherd. That's, that's the love that, of God. And we that's mentioned the, that earlier, yeah. uh, honey, uh, about that. Uh, that um, uh, that's how he sees us as as sheep who are lost. That he he does he is not willing. That any should perish. Peter says is not willing that any should mm-hmm, perish mm-hmm. Uh, or go lost eternally, but that all should come to repentance. All should change their mind. Call upon the name they of the see Lord. The, the goodness of God mm-hmm. will bring about circumstances and uh, to bring people to a point where they will. Yeah. Uh, as it says in Proverbs one twenty nine, uh, to choose the fear of the Lord. There's a, the context there is that um, uh, he says then they uh, Proverbs one twenty eight twenty nine then they will call on me but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently but they will not find me because they hated knowledge mm-hmm. and did not choose the fear of the Lord. Mm-hmm. So that's that's kind of the negative side, but. Uh, basically what uh, repentance is about is choosing the fear of the Lord and the inf- the Holy Spirit uh, mm-hmm. influencing us to say, hey. And God helping us make that choice. Trusting God. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the a, influence. Yeah. You know, yeah, so the bottom line and the kind of the summing up this whole thing about choices is the devil really cannot make us do anything unless we agree with him. And he gets us to agree with him even by believing that what we're thinking and believing is our own idea. Um, and so he influences us through the influences of our mind and our, and our hearts to believe that the lies he's telling us are the truth. And so as we listen to the liar, you know, that body of death begins to produce a response. And then it looks like it's our choice. And so um, we go into that deep spiritual inner conflict. We don't know who we are. We see ourselves doing things we hate. We see ourselves being like Paul. I see a war going on, or a law and my members are war against my, the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity to the law of sin and death in my members. Then Paul says, oh, wretched man that I am. So he was really aware of this same spiritual conflict. So, you know, and Paul made it through, guys. He made it through because he had the right doctrine. He didn't get down on himself. He didn't become super responsible for his own righteousness. He didn't deny the grace that he needed. He forgave. You know, if I'd say if Paul made it through, we should do what Paul did. And Paul told us what to do. So at the point he was saying, who will deliver me? We can't, you know, there's, this is an interesting thing because a lot of people deny deliverance because they don't believe a Christian can, needs deliverance or can have a demon. That's another clever lie. Um, so if I don't delete, you know, if I believe I don't need deliverance, 
um, uh, that you know, then what am I? How am I going to um, explain uh, all of this bad behavior? And and by it just I have to be good. I have to try harder. And in every case, um, are denying a need for deliverance and repentance. We find ourselves actually agreeing with the cop out that we need to take responsibility for our sins because it, of all, after all, we had a choice. That's not what Paul was saying. He wasn't saying I had a, had a choice. It's my fault. He was saying. Uh, he was he was not shrink, shrinking away from his responsibility he, to get his act together. He was revealing the deeper love and mystery of God and the folly of trying to save ourselves. And I think with that, we kind of can wrap up the subject for tonight. But the folly of, of rejecting God's grace and love to work out. And I know the Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It also says right after that, for it is God who works in us both the will and do of his good pleasure. We don't need to go back to the law. Jesus fulfilled, satisfied the law. We can walk in grace. Uh, and it's, it's the, the fruit of that is rest and peace and hope and joy and strength and the ability to get through your trials. And right now, that's the bottom line. Yeah, and the, and the bottom line is in the Old Testament book of Joshua, after you know they were... Uh, had come into the uh, promised land. They got, they'd seen victory over their enemies. They, the nation of Israel had been delivered from, yeah. from the land of Egypt. And uh, kind of toward the end of Joshua's life, he says, okay, people, here's, here's, here's the bottom line. Mm-hmm. Now, therefore, fear the Lord. Joshua 24, 14, and 15. Therefore, fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and truth. And put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served, which were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So I just want to encourage everybody that's listening. So many of you have made that choice. Uh, to serve the Lord, wonderful. Continue to choose moment by moment, day by day, mm-hmm. uh, to serve the Lord. Let the Holy Spirit uh, guide you, lead you, influence you mm-hmm. to uh, follow follow the Lord, not by might, not by power, but by, but my, by my Spirit, spirit says the Lord. Yeah, and if you want a copy of tonight's uh, kind of discussion, we've kind of written it down as a blog. Um, I think we've released that today. It's going to be a, uh, yeah, it should be a constant contact. Uh, for those of you who want to stay in touch with us and, and don't quite know how to connect with us on a regular basis, um, go to liferecovery.com, liferecovery.com, and sign up for our emails or our constant contact. And we will, every once in a while, we send out a blog, we send out information. And the other thing I think is we've got a lot of people who are starting to follow us um, by listening to the archives. And I think they really want this kind of teaching. So, Bring your friend's attention to this. You can download those episodes. We also now have all of our, our um, CDs available as MP3 downloads uh, on the website. So you can actually download them, put them on your iPod, take them with you. Uh, they're a little bit reduced in price, I think. Uh, but, you know, the thing is we're in the days where you, you've got to eat your own food. You, you, you won't live if you have somebody eat your food for you. Uh, you have to eat your own food. So we're encouraging you tonight. Let's start reading the Bible. If you don't know where to start, do the Psalms at night and do the Gospels in the morning. And if you even got five minutes before you, you know, you take that cup of coffee, run out the, the house, whatever, 
Uh, some people have the Bible on tape, uh, a CD in their car, whatever. Get some of the word into you. You never go to work. I mean, you can't get to work if your gas tank is empty. You surely ain't going to make, make it around during the day with an empty gas tank. And yet people run out of the house with their, ga- their spiritual gas tank totally drained. And so we're in the days, guys, where, you know, it's going to be, you, you gotta, if you want this thing, if you want it bad enough, you're going to have to go out there and, and, and present yourself before the Lord. Seek God. Read his word. Do what he says, which means to abide and let his Holy Spirit then do the work in, in us. So you want to pray? Wrap this up. Lord, uh, thank you for this time tonight. Um, Lord, I pray that you help each of us to recognize the, the influencers. The two primary influencers are the power of Satan, the power of God. Help us to choose the fear of the Lord. Mm-hmm. You said we're your sheep as believers. We know your voice. Help us to follow your voice, Lord. And for anyone that would be listening that has never given them their lives over, give their life over to you, Lord, we pray that today would be the day. Now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. Put your faith in Jesus. Give yourself to him. He will forgive. He loves you. He will forgive you, cleanse you, make you a new person. Let him have Amen. his way in your life. So, Lord, thank you. Father, for this discussion tonight. Thank you for all those that have listened and will listen. And we love you and thank you for your faithfulness Mm -hmm. to keep us, to guide us, to love us through every situation that we face, Father. Mm -hmm. We thank you for that now in the precious name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Good night, everybody. God bless you. See you next week. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.